Congratulations, you found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Starring the original book divas, Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden, and Nicole Shaded. And special guest, Alyssa Mann, the queen of romance. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination, one book at a time, they are three book girls. Man, breakfast was awesome. It was so good. The one good thing, and as far as I can tell, the only good thing about doing a podcast on a Sunday morning is spiked coffee. Or a mimosa. Also being able to go home and actually do stuff. Well, yeah, maybe. No. (laughs) I like being able to go home and do nothing. (laughs) Well, you can now. I'm going to do nothing. Now you have like nine hours to do nothing instead of getting home at 930 and going, fuck my life. No, I'm actually going <laughs> to go home and go, shit, I could have been so much more productive if I'd been home in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What time no, are we going to get home? You're dragging me out shopping I know. for an ugly Christmas sweater. See, whose fault is... Hey. It's all Martha's fault. It's my fault mm-hmm. because all of a sudden we have to get an ugly sweater for work because I'm going to win the contest. Mm-mm. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. It's, it's payback. I made her go to three different stores looking for the yarn that I needed to crochet these things that I am making for Christmas. So now I have to go with her to find an ugly sweater. Which is why we have to go back to that one particular store, which I will not mention because Nicole doesn't need to know because she doesn't need to know where I'm getting my sweater because she's not going to (laughs) win. I ain't worried about it because I'm going to win. No, Bonnie knows what that sweater looked like that I almost bought the other day that I did not buy because I thought, God, if we don't have a competition. Because it's going to lose. (laughs) Oh, no, it's not going to lose. It's pretty ugly. It is so ugly. It is Jesus, it's ugly. Of course, the one I made two years ago was the ugliest sweater I'd ever seen, and it didn't even get on the radar of these people. I am definitely winning, and I'm going to put a picture of the winning sweater on our Facebook page. And if mine doesn't win, Travis's is going to win. No. She's got two shots at winning, Martha, and you only have one. You get two votes. That's not fair. That is too fair, because we're two different people. Yeah, but you live in the same house. So what? Because if you win, it's a $500 So should I only get card. paid one wage because I'm female and Travis is, you know, the man of the house and he works here too? <laughs> now she had to put it that way. That's not what I meant. I, I meant mean, that you each get a vote and you both benefit. So I'm not because valuable you vote because for each other. Travis also has but a Travis sweater. is the, the one that's not valuable, not you. <laughs> you automatically assumed that I meant the other thing when I didn't, clearly did not. I like how she agrees with what I said a second ago, but she's not going to phrase it that way. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not what I meant. We are two different people. We get two different shots. Yeah, but you both benefit. You come from the same household. So? So So he doesn't have to buy you any diamonds if you win the prize. I mean, you really think that he's going to buy me a diamond regardless if if he he wins wins the prize? And if he wins the prize, he also doesn't have to buy you diamonds. (laughs) So you see, it works out. It's a diamond gift card for $500 for the winner at our workplace. That's so many dollars. Speaking of workplace, I found another person in my new office that's a reader. Really? Ooh. So how many does that make now? Two. Hey, it's better than none. <laughs> what about you, Alyssa? Do you have anybody in your office that reads? Yeah, the uh, the woman who sits catty corner for me reads too. We read different things. See, that's the hard But we like the same podcasts, so that's what's important. Well, I hope she likes this podcast. I don't think I've told her about it because I'm pretty sure I've smack talked work on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, I've talked about reading at my desk at work and she does oh, sit catty corner for me. And yeah. also she's our Red HR rep. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's probably not going to Probably not going to share. <laughs> also, I just, it's kind of, engineers are kind of conservative. You're married to an engineer. They're kind I'm, of yes. conservative, serious people. He's very serious. Yeah, so I yeah. work for an engineering firm. I'm yeah. not an engineer, but I work for an engineering firm, and this is not really the vibe. You're right. It's of an not engineering firm. It's also mostly like 40 to 60 year old men. Yeah. Like that's about, that's where most people fit in. Yeah. It's not really our, it's not really our target audience. <laughs> no, not I'm really. If we have any 40 to 60 year old men in our listening yeah. audience. I mean, I love so they need to chime in. They're great, but this is not for them. <laughs> this is not their jam. <laughs> this is not for you. No, not really. When people follow me on Twitter, I'm like, what are you getting out of this? It's just like me complaining and screaming into the void and like, if it's people I don't know, like, what are you getting out of this? What are you following me? Because we're famous. No, I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast is following me on Twitter. They need to. I follow you I, on Twitter. Well, but I know you for real, <laughs> and it doesn't count. In real life? Yeah. Some people, I think, just do it just so they have more followers. See, and that's the it's thing. Is like, that's where they're making the mistake, because I will not follow back. The best thing on Twitter that ever happened, though, have you seen The Christmas Story? Yes. Like, yes. You know, with Ralphie, so the guy who played Scott Farkas, the bully, followed me on Twitter. <gasps> Are you serious? <laughs> that the is so hit? cool. Yeah. I want to. I want him to follow me. He on doesn't Twitter. anymore. But like, oh my I got, god! I got. An, I was like, who is that? Like someone with a blue because like the blue check mark. That's a verified person. I was like, fuck with a blue check mark. Follow me on Twitter. I have like two hundred Twitter followers. A lot of them are like friends from college who never deleted their Twitter and never use it. So it's like, who is this? And I was like, oh my God, it's Scott Farkas. The Christmas Story is like my favorite Christmas movie. It is followed not. by Christmas Christmas Vacation. My, Christmas Vacation. Is my, my favorite. favorite is the Santa Claus, which I watched yesterday. That I, was on TV yesterday. That is my yeah. favorite Christmas movie. I wish they would That's put one those of on my Netflix. favorite Christmas movies, the Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I watched I like those only two. Christmas movies yesterday. I watched five. I thought Bad Santa was pretty awesome. I hate that movie. I love that movie. Like, oh my elf, god, I hate it. I hate Elf. Oh, I love. I, like I mean, elf. it's like cute, but like I can it, understand why you would not like it though. I just like can't. I made Travis watch it because I knew he would freaking love it. But and I watched it with him. But it's not something I'm like. Yes, let's go watch Elf. It's like that will never <laughs> ever cross my mind ever. I, like I can the tolerate really snarky it. ones, really awful, awful, dark humored things. That that would be me. I like I love Elf. I did not like rom-coms, specifically the ones Saves. made for TV. I watched Netflix has got a new crop of them that are great. One was Christmas with a View. I almost fainted because I rolled my eyes so hard. I know. <laughs> that one's good. The Christmas Kiss is my favorite right now. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. There's so many good ones in the world. And like Hallmark and Netflix have figured out this is a demographic that they have not tapped into until like last year. I could watch them. I mean, I did yesterday. I could watch them all day. Yesterday, I broke them up with the Santa Claus and Christmas Vacation, but, like, I have a list of, like, 30 movies. That's really just, I mean, for... This is why I don't watch television. Great. I read. I read and read and read and read and read I was read reading read while read watching read these read movies, because some of them okay, I've Mrs. seen before. Grinch. And read and read I've and seen read Christmas read. Vacation and the Santa Claus, I don't know how many times. I watch like, Christmas Vacation twice every year. I watch it once when I'm putting up my Christmas tree mm-hmm. and once on Christmas Eve. That's our family tradition. We watched on Christmas Day. Have you seen the Christmas Carol that's like a musical? It's got Albert Finney in it. Yes, it's I've seen it. It's the best version. It is no a one's good ever version. seen it. But Albert so we watch Finney that on is... Christmas or Christmas Eve every year. 
That's my favorite. Albert Finney rocks. Albert Finney does rock. Also, um, Albert Finney was hot. He was. (laughs) When he was young. If he was born in the 30s. He's 82. Yeah, he's he's the same age as he my mom. He was hot, though. Not right now. Oh. But he he's was not before. old man hot, just young man hot? No. You know who was hot? Paul Newman. Robert Redford. Jesus. And Robert Redford both. Butch yeah. Casting the Sundance Kid is just a film of beautiful men. So Man. in high school, uh, there was this kid that went to school with me, and his name was Cassidy, and his uh, older brother was Sundance, and his no. younger brother was... It wasn't Butch, but it was something like related to yeah. that movie. Why would you do that? I don't. I don't. Know. Obviously, they're big fans of western. I mean, it's a. It's the only. It's one of two westerns I like because I don't like westerns. But Sundance is kind of a cool name, and then Cassidy is. It's Cassidy a, is a normal name. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was. It wasn't too weird. Hmm. Sundance is a weird name. It's only I think it's weird cool, when though. you get them all together and you're like, it's very you've Native been named American. For a thing. Yeah, this is Butch. It's this weird. is Sundance. This is the the kid. Me and Travis are gonna have a kid, and I'm gonna name it Sundance Mantooth. God <laughs> 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 damn, that's funny, Nicole. <laughs> Sundance Mantooth. And um, your baby name will be one of the ones I make fun of. <laughs> Sunday. I mean, what happened to like Joe and Mike and <laughs> normal names like that? Yeah. Because every person in my family is named Mike. Like my sister's Michelle because she was female and couldn't be named Mike. Oh my God. Seriously, Tyler was, my son was talking about one of his friends the other day and I can't remember what the name was, but I had to ask them, is that a boy or a girl? Because yep. you can never tell yep. with the names. Mm-hmm. Even now. Dylan. Uh-huh. Which is my son's name. Because there they have girl girls Dylan's. named Dylan. They yeah. have boy Tylers and girl Tylers. Yep. This is I mean, one of my theories. Boys only have very normal names or extremely weird names. So the other day I was reading this article and this girl has compiled a list of all of the weird dude names she's come across in Tinder over the past year. Oh, come on. So, so one is Taniel, not Daniel, Taniel with a T, Satchel. I've actually heard that one before. <laughs> Dathan, Jaeger. This is my favorite oh one. Oh my God. Taggart. Jaeger. <laughs> Taggart. Remember that one time we got real drunk on Jaeger bombs? <laughs> I conceived. Quest. Quest. Also, just for old school, um, someone named their kid Chauncey, which is great. Chauncey? Chauncey. You know what name I think would be awesome to name a, a redneck kid? Cletus. Cletus. Hey, Cletus. Cletus! Get your ass in here! That just reminds me of a horse. Cletus? That does sound Why like a horse every name. every weird name Martha comes up with suddenly redneck? Cletus? I don't know. That's a good question. Because Jaeger could very well be a not redneck person. She I did very not come judgmental. up with that. I did not come up with that. She didn't no, redneck it up when she was talking about Jaeger. <laughs> yeah, she did. No, I, yeah, was going she for, said, I was going for the... Uh, for the She's um, like, remember that time that we got drunk on Jaeger? Yeah, I know. I very. Let, let's go back and listen to that, Martha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just go. That's that's my go-to silly accent. It's not necessarily a derogatory thing. I don't, but anything negative suddenly <laughs> turns into redneck accent. Martha. Yep, you're right. Do you want to hear more bad names? Yes, please. Someone named their kid Bane, like after the villain in Batman. I've heard that one a lot. Uh, Kayvon. Bane? Catch. Catch is in like catch the ball, but K-E-T-C-H. Freedom. Freedom. Eric. Eric misspelled E-R-I-Q-U-E. 
Eric. Eric. Um, quarter. As in, lend me a. That's how it's said, but it's spelled K-O-R-D-E-R. We used to have a bar named The Quarter where I grew up. It was actually very popular. Maybe that's where Jaeger and uh, Quarter got together yeah. and they conceived. <laughs> and um, made a I baby. don't know, Bud I, Light. I think <laughs> the best one is still. <laughs> <laughs> and then they call him Dilly Dilly for short. <laughs> dilly Dilly. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and the prize goes to Buddy. <laughs> Some people's role in life is to be the one they love to hate. That's it. No more alcohol for uh, Martha yes. before the podcast no. ever again. Also couldn't make fun of anything, then uh, it would be so boring. Quit making fun of people. I'm not making fun of people. I was making fun of the name. Let's do something different. On a Sunday morning. Shoot. You made me freaking get up on a Sunday morning. What's my idea? I mean, not that I'm, I'm usually up anyways, but I was drinking moonshine last night. So. What kind of moonshine? <laughs> Apple pie moonshine. Ooh. pretty good. That sounds good. I have no self-control when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I drank like the whole like mason jar yesterday. Oh my God. It was only half full to be fair. Okay. That's not a whole mason jar. That's half a mason jar. (laughs) Okay. I drank the rest of the mason jar. It is made with Everclears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Mm -hmm. I fell asleep on the couch for a while afterwards. And were you alone? Well, Drinking yeah. alone? Obviously. Just saying. I don't understand why you can't drink alone. Like, what are you supposed to do when you live alone? I mean, not <laughs> like, ever want drink. to have wine or something. Like, what am I supposed to do? Do I have to, like, go get someone every single time I want some alcohol? I, like, I had a designated uh, witness. Like, please. I had a hot toddy yesterday because I've been sick and it really, like, clears you out. And also, they taste good. But, like... Did I have to go get someone for that to not be a bad thing? I guess, thing? Like, Alyssa, what we need to do no is FaceTime each other when we're going to drink wine. <laughs> and then we're not drinking alone. Like, it we're just, it's the weirdest, it's like the weirdest thing. Like, I remember my sister was, she was still in high school, but I was, I was like drinking. She was like, well, you were, were you alone? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, doesn't that make you an alcoholic? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was only teasing. It's not, it's not like I do it every night. I just, but it brings up an interesting point, though, because that's like a thing still. And I was like, maybe FaceTiming a friend is a good idea. But why? Or maybe just no, text me. I think it's stupid because, <laughs> Alyssa, I'm drinking. Want to be my drinking buddy? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably doing your own thing right now. <laughs> For some reason, people think it's okay to be a social drinker and binge drink while socially drinking, You're, but not okay point. to have a glass of wine while you're at home. Yeah, but like, if I have, like, so two glasses of wine in my apartment, like, that somehow makes yeah. me sad. That's <laughs> so stupid. How else am I supposed to drink? What Actually, you just I would go think ahead and finish the bottle. It's way safer to drink when you're at home. Duh! I'm not going anywhere. That's right. You don't need a designated driver. I'm just going to drink my wine, you don't eat have to my deal dinner, with people. and go to bed. You don't have to talk <laughs> to anybody. You can slur your words and nobody's going to notice. Nobody will mock also, you like, for Also, like, if I'm not social drinking, I must much likely to actually get drunk. I'm just kind of like, well, this is, I'm going to have, like, one or two, and then... You're going to relax. Now I'm sleeping. I'm going to go to bed. That's a good point. So maybe, I know. maybe we should be advocates for drinking alone. I'm an advocate for drinking alone. Cheers. It doesn't make any sense anyway. <laughs> well, this morning we had a cocktail before breakfast. so We did. Yeah. That oh was an God. interesting thing. I don't think I've ever done that before. Really? No. I think it was like you the first. You ever to brunch? 
No, I don't get up that early. Wow. Brunch for me usually happens around one o'clock. <laughs> well, that's still brunch. Like a brunch yeah, but that happens technically between the time you get up and sometime before dinner, as long as you're still eating. Yeah, like, I think brunch ends at like four p.m. Right? Yeah, brunch ends at like four in the afternoon. <laughs> but like noon is like the 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 tipping point. Not anymore. Yeah, clearly, now never brunch, gotten drunk at brunch before that. <laughs> brunch has become very stylish. So like, if you go to like any of our mm. restaurants that are like brunch restaurants in Oklahoma City, they they stop serving brunch at like 3, 4 p.m. Oh. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem with drinking at brunch is I don't like the alcohol that's brunch related. Oh, I do. Because I don't like orange juice, so I don't like mimosas. I don't like tomato juice, so I don't like Bloody Marys. Most of the spiked coffee is made with something cream-based, which I can't oh, drink. Oh, man, that is an issue, so, isn't it? So, I mean, can I just ask for like a black Russian? Could you just... I need some eggs and a black Russian plate. Uh, can I have a shot of whiskey with my eggs, please? I think the last time I was in Dallas, I had a mimosa and a daiquiri with breakfast. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, you can go to... need um, a margarita to go with my pancakes, please. It was fruity. All right. Should we uh, stop talking about booze and start talking about books? Yeah, I guess. I guess. That'd be awesome. Apparently, that's why we're here. Let's talk about books. Well, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I did a book specifically for December because if anyone did not know, and me being a huge nerd, Friday was um, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Ah. So I wanted to do something that was kind of related to that because, you know, World War II is my wheelhouse, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. So I um, read a book called Code Girls by Lisa Mundy, and it's the untold story of the American Women Codebreakers of World War II. Cool. Codebreakers are really interesting people because they have to be super smart super to figure smart. that shit out. Right. Exactly. Super <clears throat> smart. And with a lot of the men overseas in the military, there was a shortage of people to work in the office to break these coats. So, and I don't know, my nerdy side's going to come out a little bit here. <laughs> Before World War II, America wasn't a huge military power. We were still, you know, a fairly new country. We didn't have a huge global, you know, presence or anything else. So our military was quite small. The Air Force hadn't even been established yet. So really, basically, it was like the the Army and the Navy. Mm-hmm. Basically, they actually didn't talk about the Marines too much. I don't know when the Marines started. I know the Air Force started in 1947. But in the very beginnings of the war, before America was even a part of it, Germany and the Axis powers um, had code breakers. And they sent all of their messages in codes so that the rest of the world didn't know what was going on. And a lot of World War II was done in um, the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean with the U-boats and ships and submarines. And they had to know the positions of these boats because, you know, the ocean is huge. So they would send out codes because obviously they didn't want their enemies to know where their boats were, but they wanted to let their generals and their military know where these boats were. And so they could strategize, right? So America decided, obviously, they need to do something about this. And so there was this huge push to have a code-breaking section of the military for the army and the navy and so they started going to all of these women's colleges because you know at this time 
women were not allowed to go to like Yale and Harvard and a lot of those schools. So they were allowed to go like to Wesley and I can't remember a couple of the other bigger universities. So they would have military recruits go to these towns and these colleges and they would offer a class for college women to be able to test them to see if they were good candidates to be part of this new branch of the government Mm -hmm. that they were establishing. And they were looking for specific kind of girls. They needed to be very educationally pushed, you know, a need to learn. They wanted independent women. And they also wanted pretty women because, heaven forbid. Of course. Heaven forbid there not be any kind of sexism in the 1940s. A lot of these women, you know, who went to colleges and were math majors and enjoyed puzzles and everything. The only jobs they could get when they got out of college were like teachers. Mm -hmm. And the teachers at this time only made $900 a year. And they talked about one of the ladies who was actually really big in the, in the book. Um, She ended up, she was a teacher. She was a math major. She was a teacher and because of so many people that were going overseas, um, she ended up having to teach five different classes at the same time, and they never increased her pay. That's she only did it for a year because she wasn't a quitter. She wasn't going to quit in the beginning of the year, but she only did it for one year, and then she left and went back home, and one of the recruiters were in the hotel, and then she started working for the code breakers. Oh. Her name was Dot. And she, they talk about her quite a bit. She was so smart. All of these women were like hugely smart. And it's just really interesting for me to see women who a lot of people think aren't good at science and puzzle solving and everything else. They're so smart that they put them breaking these codes that are super complicated because what the codes would be is they would have groupings of letters that meant something else. And then they would take these groupings of letters and switch them into numbers. And to figure out the numbers, they would do false math, which is basically math without carrying the numbers. So like six plus six would be two instead of 12. So then these women, they would have all of these jumbled messes and they would have to figure out what this message says from like a jumble of letters and numbers. Oh, it was hazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And at the same time, you know, they're still up against all of the sexism that was going on at the time. Like when they very first started, they could only work as civilians. They weren't allowed to join the military. And then they changed the law so the women could join the military. And they were paid the same as men, which was interesting because that hardly ever happens. But they weren't allowed to get any pension or retirement. And um, they had to, like, keep a specific code to the way that they acted. They weren't allowed to get pregnant the whole time that they were there. There were a lot of abortions at the time because women would get pregnant and they couldn't be in the military if they were pregnant. So they would have to go for abortions at the time. was illegal. So if they found out about it, the military, you were automatically let go. You were, they kicked you out. So they faced a lot of obstacles, but... 
They were smart. They were so smart. It, it was a very interesting book. And this is a nonfiction book. It's very factual. And it does not follow like specific characters. So it talks a lot about different characters and what they did. But it goes back and forth. And it doesn't it talks a little about their personal lives, but not a lot about their personal lives. And one very interesting thing I'll just say to end this is that Bill Nye, the sciences guy's mother, <gasps> was part of one of the teams. She wasn't a code breaker, but she was part of the <laughs> communications, quote unquote, team at um, Dayton, Ohio. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But it was a, it was a good book. And if you like nonfiction factual books about war, I would suggest this. But it's called uh, Code Girls by Lisa Mundy. Oh, it sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, I like books that are mainly women. Like the one hidden figures that I talked about, about the, the women in what is now NASA. Uh-huh. You know, the, the human, the women who were human computers. Mm-hmm. You know, those are just interesting to me because women were just pigeonholed as these stupid women. And we all know that that's not accurate. And that's not true. There are some amazingly smart um, women, detail oriented women who yeah. love numbers. And see, that's one of the reasons why the military thought that women were best suited for this kind of job is because women are better at mundane mechanical like step by step mm-hmm. mechanical detail oriented work they are better than men at that kind of thing so they i mean i'm talking like 75 80% of the teams for these code breakers were women wow which is very unusual for that time period but anyways i liked it but i'm a nerd so nothing wrong with being a nerd nicole what do you got okay i'm going to read two or I already read these, obviously, but I'm going to review two really short ones. Um, the first one is What Nobody Knew by Amelia Hendry, um, and it is literally one of the most heartbreaking stories you will ever read, um, and it is about her growing up um, under this massive amount of abuse, um, but it starts with her first memory at the age of three in which her mother is abandoning her, and Whoa. then, yeah, um, and then she, like, her, literally her second memory ever is of her, the first time her father hits her. Um, and then the first part of the story, the entire book, uh, well, she gives her memories at different age points in her life. And then it, uh, she will give you documents from, uh, well, this took place in, like, England. So it, I think it's CPS there, Child Protective Service. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um so she has these documents from growing up and them really not doing anything about because they. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she basically had to endure it anyway, huh? Yeah. So she uh, talks about how, I mean, she lives in this house with her father and her stepmother and her father just beats his, her stepmother. And then if she pisses her father off, he will hit her. But as the older she gets, the worse it gets. Um, and at some point, she, because you have ch- CPS trying to figure out, like, what's wrong with this kid? Because she's, like, at school exhibiting unique signs of, like, any adult that she meets. She instantly shows way too much af- affection and oh. is, sh- has, like, an attachment disorder. She wants to attach to any adult she meets with, like, any stranger, um, which is abnormal for a child. 
so they're trying to figure out like why she has these unique attributions essentially and uh eventually they think she's disabled somehow because her family says nothing you know her parents are lying and saying nothing is going on at this house blah, blah, blah. so they end up putting her in like a boarding school which is probably the greatest thing that happens to her um and but it's a boarding school that's for like mentally oh, handicapped people bummer. Um, and she, she's probably like the most normal person there, except she ends up making a friend who happens to only be there because she has dyslexia. So she does make a friend, but she doesn't have to be around her family, but she, until Christmas break, summer, any time they get like breaks off and she talks about how she has, they have like a five week break at some point. She goes home the first night she's there. Her father beats her so bad. She ends up in the hospital. She wakes up in the hospital and she goes into really, like, a lot of detail of these beatings. And it's really hard to read. Like, it is terrifying to read. And so, but she gets beaten like this. And then her father literally won't leave her hospital room. So she can't tell anybody. And he tells her, like, if you do tell anybody, I'm going to fucking kill you. Jeez. So this just keeps going on and on. And then, <clears throat> finally, she, like, she finds out her parents are going to get divorced, so they send her on break um, to, so that her parents can explain why, I guess, why they're getting divorced. I guess the time period, I don't know. it, But um, she goes home and, like, she has to go visit her father for two nights, and she's raped for the first time, and the oh only time, by her father. God! Yeah. This book is, like, literally the most heartbreaking book in the entire world. So read. if you really want a heartbreak, then you got to go there. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now, like, there is a good ending. Like, Oh, well, that's good. So it is fascinating. But, like, the courage it would take to write something like this is, like, I can't even imagine. And it's just truly heartbreaking. And, like, I was, I'm not a big crier, especially, like, reading. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I'll cry, but it's not really, like, and if I do, it's just, like, a couple of tears. Mm-hmm. Like, it could... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not like I don't get that emotional. Mm-hmm. This one I literally had to stop because I felt like I was about to literally like heave, like you know, like when you're so ugly like, cry. Yes, ugly. Like my chest was shaking. I was gonna start doing that type of crying, so I had to like stop what I was doing. Quit <laughs> reading this for a little oh my while. Gosh. But they they sent it like I know this. Uh, I don't know how many people are gonna choose to read this because of how heartbreaking it is to read. But it is written very well, and it is a very interesting story, and it's something that, like, if you've, I mean, I've seen, I'm one of those people who watches Forensic Files or, like, a million different TV shows, and so I know that child abuse exists, and I I kind of know the signs, but mm-hmm. this is something people, especially in, um, like, child service professions should read, so you can get more of, like... Of the viewpoint of a child going right. through that situation. But it's called What Nobody Knew, and it's by Amelia Hendry. And the other one, we're going to completely switch, um, is called The Weather in Africa, and it's by Martha Gellhorn, my, one of my favorite authors, who I reviewed like a million times before, but this is um, three novellas um, that take place in Africa, and it's super interesting. This book was written in the 1970s, um, and... All three novellas really focus on the racism of that time 
period 1970s in Africa, which most that people... That would be a different point of view for us because we don't... Yes. So that's what I thought was fascinating about it because she focuses on... The first one is about um, these sisters who don't really like each other and they're in a wealthy family, white family in Africa and they run a hotel um, and very few people with black skin even though they're in Africa, visit this hotel, and any that do are government officials, so they are very wealthy um, people. But uh, one of the sisters falls in love, kind of, with somebody who is of a different skin color, and it's very, like, even at this point in time, like, in Africa, which I didn't know, this was like, no, no, like, this cannot happen. And so uh, it's just really interesting to see, like, the racism in so many different ways. And the um, the second story, which is probably my favorite one, um, was about this guy who was in the war in Britain and decided, like, he I think he had PTSD. He had a lot of—his entire family was murdered in the war. Um, different, like, on Like, one was hit by a bomb. And so, anyways, he decides to go buy a farm in Africa and just, like, learn how to be a farmer. And he's white, obviously. Um, but he buys this farm that is in this— it's a huge, but it's in pretty bad condition. But he has all these workers who are, they're African, they're living in squalor. That like tin little huts with dirt floors that they're living in, and they haven't had new clothes in forever. The children are literally running around naked. But these are the people who work on his farm for him now that he's bought it. But it's amazing because as soon as he starts working there, he immediately treats these people correctly, and he starts. Not only does he pay them on time every week. But he starts buying things for the people that are working for them and taking care of them. And they get really mad at first because he's making them work extra hours to fix up their own property. But once they get used to it, they start appreciating it because they're now they're not living like they're like slump. Like, you know, they probably don't understand at first why they're being made to clean up their own area (laughs) kind of yeah so but once um like they kind of do that he has like the most respect of all the farmers around when it comes to africans um and then uh they go through independence in africa and independence in africa is when people who are african and have black skin are no longer considered beneath people who have white skin because which uh, anyways so they're having these like wars almost. Um, and this guy ends up meeting this chick who's from England and she's this awful person, but he marries her because he doesn't quite realize she's an awful person. <laughs> and she hates the people who work for him. And she literally treats everybody like shit. But then this guy ends up like adopting um, one of the little African babies he sees, Aww. but he has to like hide her. I don't know, it's the sweetest little story, kind of, but it's also heartbreaking um, in certain ways just because you've got this evil Cruella DeVille type person. The evil stepmother. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, I just thought it was really fascinating because I've never really read anything about like that time period in Africa and I did not understand. Ex- like I've read stuff from the 1990s in their wars with that, but I've never read anything earlier than 
So I, I just thought it was really fascinating and just putting that human aspect on it. And Martha Gellhorn really is pretty good at like just the human aspect of everything. She's she can do that pretty well. But yeah, that's called The Weather in Africa. And it's by Martha Gellhorn. Alyssa, we skipped you because you we did because I was hacking up along. <laughs> well, I hope your lung has uh, made its way back into your it's fine. chest cavity. It's, it's been watered now, so it's fine. <laughs> So this week, I stepped out of my comfort zone and read some high fantasy, and I liked it and didn't like it at the same time. Ooh. I have conflicting feelings about this story. So um, the book I read was called The Song in the Silence by Elizabeth Kerner, and it starts out with this great character. Her name is Lannan Kylar, and she lives in a world, it's kind of, it's kind of almost your standard kind of fantasy setting initially it's kind of medieval-ish um you know there's really no technology but she lives she lives on a horse farm with her father um she's his only child and she's an adult now but um she's probably like 20 25 years old and so it starts the story and her father has died and really in breaking with tradition instead of leaving the farm to um, her cousin, who is a man, um, he's left it all to his daughter. And so she inherits this large horse farm. Um, and but it's not really what she wants. She wants to, she's always wanted to see the world and go on an adventure because not only, um, you know, they don't have technology, so they're traveling by horse. Um, so not only does it take a long time to get anywhere, but they're also pretty isolated where they live. And so, um, she decides that, um, she's going to sell off a bunch of the most valuable horses because her father is a very respected breeder. And when he goes into the town that they sell horses in, um, everybody, he's the person that everyone waits for because they have the best, most beautiful, strongest horses. Um, so she knows she can get a lot of money. So she sells off a bunch of these horses and she decides she's going to use that money to go across the sea um, to, it's not one of the sticking points. It's not super clear if they're going to, is it another island? Is it another continent? It's not super clear, but they're going across the sea to another piece of land. <laughs> and supposedly this is where the true dragons of legend live. Now, right now, to Lannan and everyone else who's currently living, um, dragons are just a myth. They're um, they're from stories and old songs and things like that. But there's always this kind of whisper that they might really still be living on this across the sea. Basically, um, I'm going to call it an island because it's just on this island across the ocean. And so. Um, Lannan manages to get a place on this ship that's going to harvest this crop called Lansip. And it's a tree, and the leaves are extremely valuable. They're, um, they're used as a medicine. They can, when you concentrate them, they can, like, cure all sorts of illnesses and heal wounds. And if you get the fruit of this tree, you can actually prolong your life. And so they're really rich people who, in buying this fruit, make an attempt to live forever. And so if you go over there and you survive the journey on the sea and you survive the journey back, you can make a ton of money 
which is why most people are going on this trip. You can make a ton of money sounds like if the, you manage to bring this crop back. Sounds like the deadliest catch. A little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, if you can, if you don't die, if you don't die, you can it's make really a shit lucrative. ton of money. Um, and so the man who's leading this journey, his name is Merrick. Um, and as it turns out, he has kind of some ulterior motives um, because Solanin, as I said before, lives with her father because her mother abandoned them um, right after she was born. And so, um, as it turns out, there is say it's not. They don't call it a prophecy, but it's like a prophecy uh-huh. <laughs> that her child will come into great power at some point. Mm. So this guy Merrick um, is kind of masquerading as the leader of the ship, when in reality what he's been doing is looking for Lannan, and because he wants to either convince her to marry him so that then he can have the power or kill her. One or one, one or the, the other. other. It doesn't really, it doesn't seem to matter to him which option happens. <laughs> he just wants all the power. And so they do make it across the ocean, which is really exciting. Um, it's a really hard and harrowing journey. And some people do die because it's really rough. Like this isn't like crossing the Placid Ocean on a cruise ship. This is like, I guess, really like torrential waters. And um, it's really rough going. But so they finally make it to the island and um for the first little bit things seem to be going off without a hitch everyone's kind of collecting stuff um you know they're getting all the lancet from the trees everyone's working really hard but at night lannon starts to hear these like voices in her mind and she doesn't really know what it is and so one night she goes out wandering and as it turns out what she's hearing are dragons And so there's this boundary that supposedly they're not supposed to cross. And if you cross this boundary, like they pretty much stay mostly to like the shores. And so, but if you cross and go too far, um, no one's ever come back. It turns out that's because there are dragons back there and they'll eat Eat you. you. (laughs) They'll they'll roast you first and then have you as a snack. Yes. But so one of the dragons that's like keeping watch on this border, um, his name is Akor. I think is how you say it. There are a lot of weird names in this story. Um, But so he is keeping watch and he realizes that he can hear her mind too, which is really rare because she, a human, usually they can't hear what the dragons are saying because it's like, like they, it's a higher form of speech. Like they're more intelligent than people and other species. And so usually humans can't hear what they're saying because it's like basically like, speaking between minds like you're not saying anything it's like you can have a whole conversation without opening your mouth um but so they meet and then the story gets really weird so then the romance part of the story comes in and they start to fall in love she and the dragon and the dragon so this is where it lost me and as someone who's into romance if you've lost me you're in trouble (laughs) Um, <laughs> little form of bestiality there. I was like, oh, this going to say the donkey and the dragon? I was like, Ooh. this got weird really fast. Um, so they're falling in love, even though she's a human and he's a giant dragon. Um, the and logistics that's like, of that are a little weird. It's weird. So this is like the second half of the story. And this story does not take place over a long span of time. I think they're on the island for... 
I want to say it's like eight days or something. Like it's a really specific amount of time. And so like it not only do they fall in love after like five minutes, two or three of those days, but also sometimes a dragon. Sometimes when you know, you know. It's really weird. It was Um, love at first thought. Yeah. I was like, well, this is. Just as this is happening, I was like, this is happening. I was like, this is their fault. This is indeed where this story is going. It's not where I thought it was going when I started the story. Because, um, like, lots of... Martha, you like fantasy? Tons of, like, fantasy has a romance aspect in it. It does. But and, this and went, like, some, adventure some it, yeah. story to just romance for the second half of the book. It was really odd. Um, and then... It's having a real hard time reconciling this interspecies relationship type thing. Um, it was weird. Sort of like that that book that I read that was uh, that was a uh, science fiction book where a robot and a human, yeah, were doing it. And I was kind of wondering I, if you're going to bring up that hamster and gecko one that you read. Oh yeah, the, the hamster. Yeah. <laughs> And the, and the guy and the dolphin. I'm telling you, I've read some really yeah, interesting. So I don't. I mean, there. I will say not to give anything away. The story does reconcile itself in the end, and it becomes a non-issue. This is the first part in a trilogy. Um, I did. It does sort itself out. I'll give it that. So just stick with it, and it'll make sense. Yeah, I mean, if you but can still. stick with it, because I was just. I mean, I was like. <laughs> Strange. This is weird. Uh, when Alyssa like, goes, I'm not, you lost me on the romance. You know you're in yeah, trouble. Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> hard. I mean I can be lost. Absolutely. I mean I DNF'd, so did not finish two books this weekend. Yeah. So yeah. I mean you can lose me and not catch my attention, but like to just be like this is our prep. But for me to be surprised and be like ah okay that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And it was fine, and it sorted itself out, and the rest of the trilogy is fine, and it like it does become a non-issue, but it was weird. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if I recommend this book or not. Well, I guess we'll leave it I, up to our listeners yeah. on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so... Dep- depends on how adventurous you're for feeling. For yourself, there is no interspecies sex. I'll give you that. It doesn't get that weird. But it is weird. Hmm. So you have to go to the dirty book, no- dirty book novel if you want the inner, yeah. inner what inner species, inner, inner species, species sex. sex. Yeah. So um, it was weird, but I didn't hate it. So that was the song in the silence by Elizabeth Kerner. It sounds right. like I made you those dragon scale gloves right in time. <laughs> you really did. You really did. Right on time. She now pres- you are all set for your interspecies relationship. Oh <laughs> Bonnie presented her the uh, dragon scale gloves this morning at breakfast. They're so beautiful. <laughs> all right. So let's go the, the whole gamut. We got nonfiction, depressing, fantasy, and science fiction all in one podcast. Wow, we really but, yeah, spread it we out hit this it, week. We hit it all. Yep. All so, the marks. Yep. So I'm going for a book called 309 by Michael Schotter. And this was sent to us. Um, he contacted us and asked us if we would be willing to read the book. Um, and I am so picky that I have to read the first, you know, page or first few pages before I'll even agree to accept the book because I'm just that way. 
Um, and a, a couple of things really stood out to me. The first of which is the fact that this is a self-published book and it's very well written. That's usually not the case that I found with self-published work that, that I have read. Um, usually there's a reason why it isn't picked up by a publisher. But in this case, I, I was very surprised because it's extremely well written. Um, it is about... The other thing I liked about this book is that it started out and within the first, gosh, few pages, you get right into the action. Um, it's kind of like an alien invasion where all of a sudden you, the main character is a girl and she's a journalism student and she's listening to her dad, who is a DJ. Which, of course, you know, that's my connection. Mm-hmm. One of the other reasons that I picked it up right away is because, oh, I can relate to that. <laughs> so um, she has her dad has made these cassette tapes for her of his radio show with the music included and everything. And that's how she stays in touch with him because she's off at college and he's at home. And so she's got this got her headset on she's got an old-fashioned walkman on and she's walking down the street and all of a sudden here comes the alien invasion and a bunch of people are getting uh murder pulverized by by the alien invasion (laughs) and a bunch of other people are getting like sucked up into the spaceship you know that's an overgeneralization but basically you know abducted So, uh, so she then is, gosh, how would I put this? She's, she's like transformed into a something else that's still herself. It's kind of hard to explain, but, um, she goes through, she goes through a transformation of sorts And then she's kind of searching around to see if anybody else survived. And she goes up to her college professor's office because, you know, she doesn't, I don't know why. Maybe she's got a crush on him. I don't know. Well, she's just looking for people. She's looking for people. So she goes up and she finds him and he has started the transformation too. And the transformation sort of involves this membrane. I know it's disgusting. It reminds me of the pod people from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But anyway, she sees him struggling and decides to help him out. Gremlins after they eat after after they eat after midnight. He's sort of yeah. So she helps him, and then she gets the defibrillator from the from the office and shocks him back to life and helps him out. Well, they kind of band together, and one of the parts of the book I did not like as well was sort of the I'll call it the Walking Dead portion where there were no zombies involved or anything, but it's just the wandering around looking for other people who survived uh-huh. type part, where it gets kind of, eh, for a little bit. And then it gets exciting again, but it gets super exciting. This guy obviously has a real talent for writing action. And you know how I feel about action. Not really that big of a fan of it. I mean, he's really good at it. He's really good at writing those portions of the story. Um, and you come to find out that there were certain people that went through this transformation. Anyway, these superpowers that these people have have developed kind of 
it kind of takes a, a you're mixing together a superhero movie with an alien invasion movie. And when I say movie, I'm saying that for a reason. And that is, it reads an awful lot like an action, an action m- script would read. I would not be surprised at all if if they took this and, and made it into a movie. Because it does have a lot of the good elements that that go with a good science fiction movie. Now, I did have a few things about it that I did not care for very much. And the the biggest and the most obvious of those is the fact that his main character is a woman, but yet it doesn't read like that. Mm-hmm. It more focuses on the superpowers of the dude she's with, which kind of started to piss me off a little bit because it's like, it, clearly she has superpowers too, but you really don't learn an awful lot about that. And it just seems like the focus is falling an awful lot like on the other guy. So that that put me off a little bit. And the action part of it wasn't really my favorite kind of read. But having said that, it was very well written. And it had a lot of excellent, excellent story elements. And it was a fun book to read. So overall, I, I would rate it, I would give it a three and three quarters but probably would have rated it higher had the main character actually received more of the focus. Mm-hmm. You could tell it was a guy writing about a female character. You yeah. girls have, you know how that goes, right? Yeah, yeah. sometimes yes. that's difficult. Yeah. So I, I don't know if he could have done it any differently. I don't know if that... Do you think men would like this book better? Oh, yes, definitely. It's definitely more of a guy book. With as, men, as much action as... Yeah, yeah. It definitely reads like a superhero novel. It's got that. (laughs) Or somebody who's very into. Somebody's very into superheroes. And add little aliens in there just for just for flavor. Very, very much so a Marvel comic type. Gotcha. So somebody who enjoys that kind of thing. Yeah. Might like it. Yeah. So once again, that was 309 by Michael Schotter. Awesome. All right. Anybody else kind of fallen into a slump after that coffee? <laughs> that was that was coffee with booze in it, which made me kind of go. Ugh. Well, it's either the coffee with the booze, or we're all going into a carb coma since we all had. Well, I, I don't know if you did, Nicole. I had protein, but I had pancake a pancake pancakes and French toast. Couldn't get more carb loaded than that. <laughs> What, what what are you guys going to do the rest of the day now that we have the whole day? Oh, my gosh. I have to run to Target because it's up here. Target run and done. Well, it is, you know, right before the holidays, so surely there will be all kinds of holiday traffic out there. And, of course, we have to go finalize our ugly sweater purchases. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Nicole thinks she's going to win, but she's not. Have to go It'll home. It'll probably and- be somebody totally different, Nicole. We'll probably both get the shaft. <laughs> that would suck. Martha, I'm going to fucking win. <laughs> so just give up now. Fine! Fine! <laughs> Isn't the holiday spirit fucking awesome? Yes. <laughs> also, I wish we got like $500. It'd be better if it was like our cash. office decorating contest. Because yeah. I would have just decorated my office all day, too. I decorated my office. 
I think there was only two people who participated in that one. Well, I have some stuff. I just haven't actually put it up yet. All right, off to find the <laughs> ugliest sweater in the universe. And I'm going to post a picture of it on our Facebook page. And I think Nicole and I should both put our picture in our ugly sweaters on our Facebook page so you can all decide for yourselves whose sweater is the ugliest. You Who? just post yours like Tuesday? <laughs> <Who wore it? laughs> no. Because the competition is on Thursday. Stop trying to get an edge, Nicole. We'll have our own contest of who wore it better yes. on Facebook. Hot or not. We After, have a hot or not competition. There you Woo! go. Hot or not hot. After the contest is over. So not to jinx anyone, we'll both put your pictures up. Fine. And we'll have a vote and see who's better. Let our Twitter and Facebook followers decide. I love it. Fine. I think that would be cool. I do, too. What do you I think, think, Nicole? that would be awesome. Sure. All right, let the competition begin. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that's going to do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Join the conversation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.